Thank you for listening to The Rest is History. For bonus episodes, early access, ad-free listening, and access to our chat community, sign up at restishistorypod.com. That's restishistorypod.com. Hello and welcome to The Rest is History. This autumn sees the launch of the most eagerly anticipated sporting event of the season. We've had the World Cup of British Prime Ministers. We've had the World Cup of Ancient Gods. The winners in those two contests, Clement Attlee, of course, and Athena, who beat Odin, as I recall, in the final of the World Cup of Gods. But this is probably the most anticipated World Cup tournament of all. It is, of course... Well, what is it, Tom Holland? Is it the World Cup of English Kings and Queens or Kings and Queens of England or what? It's the Kings and Queens of England. Now, this has been very controversial. Very controversial on Twitter. It's been very controversial among us as well, as you know, we are the, the, the administrators of the sport. Um, You're Seth Blatter. I'm Michelle Platini. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Corruption is our middle name. Um, <laughs> but we should, we should, I think we should say before we, we get into the minutiae of it, uh, to, to those listeners who may have no interest in World Cups or sport or anything, I mean, basically the premise for this is that, um, we have 16 monarchs. Um, and essentially it provides us with an excuse to talk about each one. Yeah. But. And to talk the, about the job and, uh, kingship absolutely. and all that. Sort absolutely. Of stuff. And so the question of who qualifies for this is, has been actually very, very interesting because we're doing this with Tracy Borman, who has, um, a new book out on, on, on the, uh, the, the monarchy. Um, and we've had some quite serious discussions about who should be eligible, who shouldn't be eligible. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's kind of the, the fascination of it. So the, the way the rubric works, for those who haven't heard the previous World Cups, is that um, on Saturday and Sunday, so if you're listening to this on Friday, uh, when it comes out, uh, over the, over this week when coming, um, we'll have um, the Super 16s. So we, we, have, um, we have eight seeds and we have eight other qualifiers and uh, they will play out. Then on the Monday, we will have the quarterfinals. On the Tuesday, we will have the semifinals. On the Wednesday, we will have the final to decide who is top king or queen of England. Yeah. And then the next week, we will, we will go over it. We'll go over the matches and we'll talk about each of the, the individual monarchs in detail. So we should, I think, just say who the, the seeds are, shouldn't we? Well, we'll talk about the seeds and the other qualifiers, and then we'll talk about who hasn't made it because yeah. that will. So we can get into this question of what is a king or queen of England. So Absolutely. the seeds, yeah. number one seed, Tracy Borman's favourite monarch, um, Elizabeth I, the Virgin Queen. Number two, Henry VIII. Everybody's favourite king, I think. Number three, Henry V. Agincourt. Number four, William the Conqueror. The Bastard, aptly named. Uh, number five, Victoria. Yep. Empress of Num India. Number, number six, Edward III. Chivalry. <laughs> number seven, I think a, a controversial one here. I, I certainly didn't nominate him, but I was outvoted. Uh, Charles II. The Merry Monarch. Oh, but he's one of the most obviously recognisable monarchs yeah, in I suppose, English history. Uh, and number eight, our current monarch, Elizabeth II. See, I wouldn't have ceded the current queen, actually. I think so. she's very good at being a queen, though. Well, she's, yes, Isn't I suppose she? she's good at being a modern queen. Anyway, yes. we shall, we'll talk about anyway, this. Anyway, all to be discussed. Um, and then the other qualifiers, Edward I, Henry II, Richard I, George V, Henry VII, Knut, and then two controversial ones, Athelstan and Cromwell. Yeah, Oliver now, Cromwell, not Richard. Uh, 
I, I don't think that Athelstan in himself is a controversial entrant. Um, so who is Athelstan, Tom, for those who don't know? Well, Athelstan is a subject of uh, a penguin uh, monarch's <laughs> biography. Yeah, very good book. Very good by book. a top historian, namely me. Um, <laughs> so Penguin have have um, they've, they've done all the kings and queens of England, um, and I did the first one. And Athelstan is the first in the list because Athelstan, conventionally understood, is the the first king of England. So that's why the issue of whether this is English kings or queens, or whether it's kings of England, matter. Because if it's an English king, then, of course, Alfred the Great would qualify yeah. and Offa would qualify. Um, yes. So Athelstan and Alfred, Tom. So why doesn't Alfred qualify? Because I thought he should be there. Michael Wood, the definitive kind of popular chronicler of the Anglo-Saxons, the man who brought the Anglo-Saxons to the masses in the 1980s and afterwards on TV, has written some wonderful books on Alfred and the Anglo-Saxons. He said, why isn't Alfred there? How do you plead? Well, Alfred is obviously an English king. I'd say obviously it's not actually obvious because nothing about this period is obvious. Um, because English identity is kind of being created from a multitude of different Anglo-Saxon kingdoms. Um, and those kingdoms, as the name Anglo-Saxon implies, can either be Anglian, which is the basis for the future word English, yeah. or Saxon, as in Wessex, the kingdom of which yeah. Alfred is a king. As in um, Sassanax. Sassanax. So Alfred, on that basis, I guess you could say he's an English king, but he's not a king of England. Doesn't he use the word England? Doesn't he use the word England or something like that? No, he doesn't. He does he not? But, but what he does, he he use, he sponsors Bede's history of the uh, the English Church, which uses the word Anglia as a kind okay. of synonym for what will become England. But the the meaning of it's it's incredibly complicated because yeah. you obviously want to elide Anglia with England, but it's not quite the same thing. So uh, you could say perfectly legitimately that Alfred is an English king. You could say that Offa, the great king of Mercia, is an is an English king. Uh, you could say that Radwald, perhaps the uh, perhaps the king who married Sutton, Sutton, Sutton who, perhaps he's an English king. So all of these could conceivably be ranked as English kings. But if you're going to say king of England, I think you've got to say that it's um, king of a realm that unites all the various Anglo-Saxon kingdoms, West, Wessex, Mercia, East Anglia, Kent and Northumbria. And the first king who does that is Athelstan. So that's why I think Athelstan is eligible, but Alfred isn't. Okay, and then let's fast forward a little bit. Charles II, who is the seventh seed on our list, um, is not just the king of England. He's also the king of Scotland. Then if you fast forward even further, so to let's say Victoria or the you know the, or George V, who comes after her, they are not the kings of England. They are the they are the monarchs of great britain or the united kingdom so how do you include them <laughs> well this again is all part of the complexity of it that that obviously with once um i mean really once james the sixth um of scotland becomes james the first of england he's very much a friend of the show um sadly <laughs> didn't make it so people no. who have been accusing us of corruption you'd have thought we james would be first on the list it was the um, fat tongue it was the big tongue too big for his mouth that let him <laughs> yeah. down at the last moment and it's James. James has got a lot of supporters. So, so there's someone here, Neil Simpson, as he is a friend of the show. James the Sixth first deserves a mention. Massively expands his domain without a fight. Intelligent, doesn't like witches. Big tongue, doesn't overreact to terrorist threats. I mean, that's yeah. all right. Neil has but been listening to the Gunpowder podcast, I suspect. James the Sixth of Scotland becomes James the First of England, and so there, the crowns of England and Scotland are starting to be joined together. And yeah. then, beginning of the 18th century, you have the Acts of Union that join England and Scotland in a united kingdom of Great Britain. 
Um, and then at the beginning of the 18th century, you've got Ireland is also becomes a part of that United Kingdom. Yeah. The 20th century Ireland, or at least most of it, uh, leaves the United Kingdom. So it's the the kingdom of which these kings and queens are the monarch is constantly changing and evolving. Yeah. Like, so the for the, itself. like the job itself. For the basis of this, basically, if you have ruled England, yeah. whether on its own, whether as a part of uh, the United Kingdom of Great Britain or the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Ireland or United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland, you are eligible. So just before we come to the super controversial one, actually another one that that uh, raises an interesting question about is Canute or Canut as you call him. Um, so Canute is not English He's and Danish. he doesn't... And here's the question. Does he rule England as England or does he rule it as part of a wider North Sea empire? That's sort of well, he's, he's the king of England, but okay. he's also the king of Denmark. And he, yeah. yes, he has. So this. is he separately crowned in England, Knut? Yes. Because this issue of whether a king is crowned has, has raised a lot of, um, well, a lot of discontent of among the fans. So I shall read. I've been receiving today. <laughs> an enormous number of tweets from a friend of the show, Capel Loft. I remember him getting very hot under the collar about Disraeli versus Gladstone in the very first tournament that we did. And he says, outrageous, outrageous decision. How can you exclude Alfred the Great on a technicality, but but not Cromwell on a rather more important technicality? He wasn't a king. Indeed, Cromwell specifically refused the crown and abolished monarchy, undermines the credibility of the whole competition. That then launched a whole series of um, uh, tweets in which uh, one of hit Cable Loft's followers, Madeline Grant of the Telegraph, said, "Would the rest is history allow the Ayatollah Khomeini to take part in a Miss World competition?" <laughs> they clearly would. So, Tom Oliver Cromwell, the Ayatollah Khomeini of uh, the Miss World that is the rest is history, <laughs> the rest is history World Cup of English kings and queens or kings and queens of England rather. What's Cromwell doing there? Cromwell is by far the most controversial entrant because, of course, famously. <laughs> He chopped the head off a king, yeah, uh, and um, he ruled as Lord Protector. But the reason that he's in is that he rules as Lord Protector because the English Constitution, even after the Civil War and the execution of Charles I, Needs requires a, a monarchical figure. Yeah, and the issue for Cromwell is whether he will formally become a king, and he kind of hesitates over that, or whether he will take up some other title that enables him to rule as king. Yes, but the the, the reason that he's in is that he is filling that that king-shaped hole that exists in the British, the English constitution if there is no king. Well, there's also the iconography, isn't there? Cromwell uses the iconography of kingship. His coins have, you know, um, sometimes have a crown on them. They, they borrow the iconography that goes back to kind of the Roman emperors and so on. Uh, he has a sort of ceremony when he becomes Lord Protector that is clearly a more modest version of the coronation ceremony. Actually, the same is true of George Washington. Um, and indeed, when Washington became president, there was all this conversation in America about what they would call him, what they call him, your highness or your majesty, or and he ends up, and eventually the president is called Mr. President. But um, yes, also Cromwell just makes the competition more interesting. More fun, doesn't it? Yeah, it does make it more fun. Uh, and, and it's great to see the fans, you know, And Cromwell was not a Republican, interestingly. I mean, Cromwell had always been a monarchist. Um, he just believed but almost everybody the was. was the man of blood. Right, exactly. Um, uh-huh. Of course, Richard Cromwell could have been admitted. I mean, Richard Cromwell is a fascinating figure. But sadly, he didn't make it through the qualifiers. I think, did he live even longer than the 
Queen. Yeah, Richard Cromwell lived Queen a now ridiculous. Him. I can't remember. Yes, we'll Richard Cromwell lived out. a ridiculously long life. There's all these stories about him being in um... popping up in 1972. <laughs> <laughs> still, he's still going strong. No, there's the stories stories about Richard Cromwell and the, the courts of Europe when he's in exile, and people are always slagging off Richard because he's under an assumed name, and people are always slacking off Richard Cromwell to him. <laughs> and he and he always sort of says, uh, "I think you'll find he was very poorly served by the army." <laughs> Well, it's such, well, I mean, we, I think that we should, um, before we embark on the, all the excitement and thrills of the World Cup, we should just uh, mention perhaps some of those who didn't make it. So we've mentioned James the First. We've yeah. mentioned Richard Cromwell. Um, we have, uh, Frank Roberts. I'd go for the rank outside of George the Fourth because he rebuilt more or less the whole of central London while the Philistines won. George the Fourth would never have won a competition. I mean, he but, was by common his, his consent. Great breakfast. An absolutely terrible king. I mean, hated by the public. Terrible from to the his very, wife. Terrible to his wife. Ate, Rid- ate huge breakfasts. Ridiculously fat and drunken. Fantasised that he'd fought at the Battle of Waterloo. Yeah. He was he's, never gonna, no, he was no, never going to win. No, he wasn't going to win. Um, and uh, who else? It's Simon Sharma. So we've had Michael Wood. Simon Sharma uh, was never king of England. So Michael, Michael Wood has, has his contribution on Athelstan, who clearly he thinks should win, the great innovator of the English state. Uh England's forgotten presiding genius, not by us. Yeah. But Simon Sharma, I'm rooting for George II. George II? But George II hasn't qualified. But George II led the last, uh, he was the last English king, wasn't he, or, or British king, to lead a cavalry charge. And didn't he stand up to Handel? Did he? I mean, not stand up to Handel, stop him doing things, but stood up <laughs> to show his respect. I, that I did not know. Um, oh, maybe I got that wrong. I, George II, um, I'm not sure about George II. I suppose he was, I mean, George, you could argue George I was a... Yeah, you know, crucially important king, you know, coming over from Hanover. And then we've got Izzy Lawrence presented with me on um, uh, Radio 4 History series uh, and presenter of a very good podcast on dinosaurs, Terrible Lizards. Um, and she says, King Edward VIII, because the evil arse nearly ended monarchy for good in this country. So Charles I for the same reason. She's not a monarchist. She's not mon- Cap- Capital Loft wouldn't like that, would he? No, 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 he wouldn't. He wouldn't. Um, um, I think that's... Uh, I, King Edward VIII was a terrible man. Absolutely. If you ever read eyewitness sort of accounts of Edward VIII, you know, from the people who knew him, they say what a spoiled, utterly entitled, spoiled brat he was. But that's why Izzy's rooting for him. Well, okay. Well, um, And then out, interestingly, so. one, other, one other aspect of fan interaction, yeah. of course, is that... Um, there are people beyond the borders of England who may well who may well have slightly different perspectives on uh, the English, uh, yes, the, the monarchs of England. Um, so Cromwell would be an obvious example. So there's been a bit of uh, Irish blowback on his inclusion in the World Cup, uh, unsurprisingly, um, and quite a lot of uh, fan comments from Wales and Scotland on the presence of Edward the First. So Edward the First completed yes. the English conquest of Wales um, and. Uh, obviously hammered the Scots. But this interesting comment from the great Copite, as a Scot, I should be out for Edward's blood. But to be fair, a number of Scots nobles licked his boots, had lands in England and followed him. The place was in chaos. The line of kings dead. Brackets don't ride a horse in the dark after a party. The house of Balliol ancient. Edward called him in. So... There's a bit yeah. of unexpected Scottish support for Edward. I had, a, I had a tweet from a fellow called Martin Jones, who's a professor at, uh, I think it's the Swansea or Cardiff, great historian of Wales, and he was very down on Edward I. So, well, I think yeah, that's understandable. Yes, I suppose it is. I mean, I well, we shall see how Edward I gets on. Um, 
But I think also what, what, what is interesting is that we haven't exactly established the parameters of, of what it is that makes a great king make, or queen. Makes you likely to, yes. So are you voting for, for celebrity, for achievement, for charisma, for fame, for, um, solidity, for length of reign, for, dash i mean all up for grabs well here's a question tom just just I, and we'll obviously come to this when we do our big roundup of the tournament but just off the top of your head do you think the job has has any continuity from i mean we go from athelstan to elizabeth ii is there any continuity in the role that you that you can see from the days of athelstan to 21st century well i'll tell you i think an absolute point of continuity between athelstan specifically and elizabeth specifically and it won't surprise you <laughs> that that what what I'm going to pick on is that for both of them the fact yeah. that uh, the coronation is a sacral ritual <laughs> so so Athelstan <laughs> is um is crowned at, at Kingston upon yeah. Thames and he's I think the first English king to be crowned uh, in the sense of having a, a crown. crown put on right. his head and he's anointed and this process of anointment, it's a, a Christian ritual that Athelstan takes incredibly, incredibly seriously. He's a very, very devout king, and he sees everything that he does through that prism. And I think that um, that Elizabeth II does as well. Uh, and I think that that sense of um, the monarch as uh, the kind of the, the, the key figure in a Christian realm is something mm-hmm. that has run throughout the entire span of his existence. And obviously, as the hold of Christianity on Britain fades, and, and Britain is now a multicultural society, I, I, I think that that has radically reconfigured the role of the monarchy. And it may well be that it will take, um, you know, Charles III or William V before we, we, we properly understand perhaps just how much strain the institution is going to come under because that traditional understanding of its role but do you think most ordinary people have – I don't think they have a sense of the Queen as chosen by God, do they? No, I don't think they do anymore. I think she does. Uh, but do you think, think they ever think, did? Do you think they yes, did? Yes, I do. Not in our yes. lifetime or the lifetime of our parents, surely, or our grandparents no. even. No, it's – it's it's the, the 50s, I think, was the last conceivable time yeah. where, where that kind of – you know, because it, it was it, – the, the coronation was shown on, famously shown on television, but the actual anointing was not because that was felt to be too holy a ritual. Um, I, I can't imagine that happening now. So I think that no. is something that has radically, radically changed over the course of this current Queen's life. And I think the fact that we haven't really kind of noticed that is one of the reasons why she deserves to be listed among the seeds. See, I think what will be interesting, Tom, um, before we go, well, in the second half, we're going to go through the, the matches, aren't we? And just have a pick out some of the interesting ones. But I think what will be interesting to, to nod back to our epic Alexander the Great podcast is whether martial virtue is rewarded. Because to yes. me, reading the Ladybird Kings and Queens of England books as a child, which I absolutely adored, which gave me my basic kind of chronology of English and British history, what counted for a king was basically how many Frenchmen he had he which had is why sent Henry to the v underworld. Is, is yeah. number three. Absolutely, because yes, Henry V is the, is the ultimate hero king, isn't he? Well, we'll come to this after the break, maybe. I think we should perhaps take a break, and we should come back, and we should look at the group matches and start, try and tease out some some pointers for anybody who wants to put a little wager on the outcome. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Now, a lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time, don't we? But the question is, time for what? 
If time was unlimited, how would you use it? Well, Dominic, you'll know that uh, my great love is cricket and cricket is a sport that notoriously takes up a lot of time. So imagine if I had even more time, just how brilliant I would be. And I've worked out that the best way to squeeze things into your schedule is to know what's really important to you so that you can make it a priority. Well, Tom, therapy can help you figure that out. A therapist can guide you through the process of defining your values and understanding your priorities so you'll know what things you can spend your time on that will really fulfill you. Otherwise, you'll always be wishing for more time. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. BetterHelp offers convenient, affordable online therapy that comes to you. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Learn how to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. So visit betterhelp.com slash rest is history today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash rest is history. Not all the waters in the rough root sea can wash the balm off an anointed king. Shakespeare's lines in Richard II. Richard II, of course, did not qualify because he was an absolute loser. Um, <laughs> That's a bit harsh. He was. Harsh. He was a terrible king. Well, yeah, I suppose he... Well, he's, is he a terrible king just because of the way it ends, though? If it had ended differently, you wouldn't say he was a terrible king, would you? You'd say he was deposed. a great patron of the arts. A I, man think of, get, uh, I think to get deposed, I mean, I think... Really? That's not good. That's, that's no. Much, that's going to disqualify you right from the start. Is he worse than Edward II, would you say? Ooh, well, I mean, the, the, the worst kings. I think Edward II's up there. Yeah. Uh, Richard II's up there. Uh, Henry, the Henry VI. VI is up there. I mean, they're all, yeah, they're all very bad. The, the truth of the James matter is, II. though, if you met some of these people, particularly, let's say, Henry VI, I mean, his problem is that he's just quite a nice guy. Yeah. Isn't he? He's weak and he thinks Loser. about God and he likes stained glass. Yes. Um, but cathedrals and things. Yeah. I mean, he's a guardian reader. He's a guardian reader of kings. What you need, I mean, it's the Daily Express readers who tend to flourish Henry as kings, isn't it? Henry V, yeah. Right. Well, okay. So on that topic, should we look at the, um, the draw has just been announced today by <laughs> Jonathan Wilson. Oh, very good. Very exciting. And so the, f- the first match that we've got, uh, so we've got f- four matches that will be going out on Saturday uh, and four that will be going out on Sunday. So the four matches that will be going out on Saturday, if you want to, to follow that, perhaps to, to vote in it, it'll all be on Twitter, um, perhaps to have a flutter with the bookies, with Paddy Power or whatever. Um, the first one, Elizabeth I, the top seed against Edward I. See, I don't want to prejudge the outcome, but I can only see one winner there. <laughs> so you have prejudged it. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, you said it beforehand that Edward I has this handicap of... Um, yeah. uh, Scots well, and Welsh are never going to vote for him. And Elizabeth I is absolutely sort of enshrined, isn't she, in, in yeah, but you might, national identity. Catholics might not vote for her. Spanish won't. No. Spanish, I mean, the Spanish, do we have a big Spanish following? don't know, maybe. Oh, maybe Diego Morgado, or is he Portuguese? I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> He'll be boycotting it, won't he, as, yeah. a, as a Marxist? Uh, um, so, but I agree. So, yeah. I, think, I think you've got back Elizabeth there. Yeah, and the Edwards, I mean, I don't want to be mean to the Edwards because we've got another one coming up, but to my mind, Edward I and Edward III are basically the same person. I mean, I'm not a medievalist, obviously, but uh, are they that different? <laughs> are they that different, Tom? Well, Edward I, of course, also, Ed, Edward I also is the one, who, the king who uh, expelled the Jews. Yeah, well, that will count against him. So that Elizabeth may well I, first, count against him. I mean, she's only got the Catholics to worry about, hasn't she, really? So I think she'll be all right. 
and as I say, the uh, the Spanish. Then uh, the second one is um, well, all the twos. Yeah. Elizabeth II against Henry II. I don't want to bet against the Queen, but I think um, Henry II is just so much more interesting. So what she, Elizabeth has never had to face, but which he did, was all her um, children turning against her and rising up in rebellion. Kind Didn't of. She? Prince Harry? Yeah, but that's grandchild. And not, so it's not, I mean, they didn't, I mean, it's not like Richard the Lionheart gave an, an interview to Oprah Winfrey. <laughs> Isn't it Henry II that, uh, that um, his wife says to him in The Lion in Winter, war, 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 that's all you care about, Henry Plantagenet. It is. And if you want to hear more on that theme, of course, don't forget um, that on Sunday we're doing um, cinema in history. Very few tickets left, but you might be able to snaffle one if you're quick. Um, yeah, so Elizabeth II against Henry II. I mean, who knows? Um, and then all the Henrys. Henry V against Henry VII. Well, this is a big one, isn't it? Because this is a clash between glamour and the antithesis of glamour. So Henry V is Agincourt. He is receiving a gift of tennis balls from the French. Well, he's blowing he's blowing money on invading France and winning glory. Yeah. Whereas Henry VII is very much the opposite. He's not about glory. He's no. about saving money. But he did win his crown on the battlefield. I mean, to be fair to Henry VII, yeah, he did. People, yeah, yeah. people view him as the sort of patron saint of accountants. But, I mean, he won his crown in a very adventurous manner. It's kind of Boris against Rishi, isn't it? <laughs> it's just, Are you in favour of insane lunatic um, <laughs> projects that will kind of look good and flashy but will go wrong? Yeah. Or are you in favour of, of harvesting the pennies? I mean, Rishi Sunak isn't harvesting the I know he isn't. He's spending he's like been billions of pounds. By Boris, but, I mean, obviously, clearly, he just wants to cut everything. Um, I, I mean, I think you have a, you have a long-standing animus against Henry V, don't you? I, I know do. this. I've yes, known this for some time. What is it? What is it based on? I just think he's a show pony. Just because he died. If he hadn't died, you wouldn't think that. He'd been king of France and England. No, the whole, the French would never have accepted him. It would, it was never going to work. Anyway, listen, we mustn't talk about this. We've got to save it for, right. uh, for, okay. for, for the final. But yeah, I'm backing Henry VII on that one. And then the last one, the, this is the last match that we played on Saturday, is William I against Knut. So now that is a, a very, tasty. That is that a is, yeah. That's a great. That's yeah. a great pairing because, of course, both. That's of like them, when the World Cup is happening and it's kind of Belgium against Argentina or something. You think, oh, that could be quite a good match. It's they're both conquerors of England. Knut conquers England. They're both conquerors. William conquers England. They're both, they're both 11th century. They've both got Viking heritage. Obviously, yeah. Knut very obviously. William more indirectly. Um, they're both kind of quite, I mean, is Knute cruel? Is he a cruel man? No. Is he a hard man? I mean, William is very cruel and hard, isn't he? Well, Knut imposed um, a 100% tax rate one year on England. That's, so, that's, that's harsh. Kind of Dennis Healy-esque. Dennis um, Healy, yeah. <laughs> so I reckon that, um, I th- that's an interesting match. I reckon William is, I mean, he's seeded. I, I think he'll probably win that. But William will surely suffer from people who... Um, Will not his funeral count against him? What, Didn't his body burst and, and all his <laughs> entrails fell out and the stench made people run away? Well, also, I mean, also, he did conquer England and, and, and I mean, Northerners will He behaved be disgracefully. He behaved disgracefully. I think um, I, I, I will be absolutely upfront about it. I really want Canute to knock him out. I'd okay. much well, rather be yeah. part of a sort of North Sea empire than a union with the French, personally. Okay. Yep. I'm, I'm yep. all about Scandinavia. I think I really want Canute to win that. That may be a point on which Capel Loft and you agree. Uh, yeah, good. So we'll see. Right. So, so that's the first group. Um, then the, the next set of, of Super 16 matches will be played on the Sunday, 
Yeah. Uh, and the, the first match is, is two great, charismatic, military medieval kings, Edward III against Richard I, the Lionheart. Now, Edward III obviously starts the Hundred Years' War, doesn't he? Is there he anything else you can tell me to distinguish him from Edward I? Yes, he didn't expel the Jews, and he was king during the yep. Black Death. Okay. Did he not? Is he a chivalry man? Big round table? Yes. Is that him? Lord of the Garter. Yeah. Honey, your garter's fallen off. So so he's <laughs> he's for Mr. Chivalry. And Richard I, now to me, I would say Richard I faces a slightly uphill battle because one thing that everybody knows about him is he never set, barely ever set foot in England and just wanted money to go on the Crusades. No, but what people also know about him is that he was a huge lion who turned up and um, sorted out Sir Hiss. <laughs> yes. He always pitches up at the end of... Is he Robin Sean Connery and Robin Hood, Prince he's, of Thieves? Sean Connery, yes, exactly. So um, I reckon that may go But also, of course, what would also go in his favour is, is minstrels. Because yep. isn't it Blondel who turned troubadours and yeah, monsters, turns yeah, up playing music outside the castle to, to rescue Crusades, him? minstrels, all that kind of stuff. I mean, I think if you're into that kind of thing, you, you'd probably go for Richard. But if you know anything about medieval history, you'd say he was a calamitous king of England. Am I also right? We were We were... Some, there was there was a comment on Twitter after Alexander the Great podcast that we hadn't talked about Alexander's sexuality. Am I right in thinking that the LGBT vote might go for Richard the First? They might do. There's some that uh, yes, you could you could spin it that way. I think right. I think not. So that the woke uh, the woke part of the um of the listeners maybe may want to vote for him on inclusivity no, and because diversity. He, he, he was uh, he attacked lots of Muslims. Okay, well, oh, it's so, things around about it, no. Richard, isn't it? it is, okay. Yeah, so so interesting. Uh, that's what sports so are all about, isn't it? I yeah, see that one going to penalties. Sports, yeah. And then, of course, uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is the <laughs> classic, the classic, Charles II against Oliver Cromwell. I'll be frank, I can only see one winner, but it's not the right person. <laughs> um. <laughs> I think that, that I mean, that's that's a classic. So if you like dogs, very long curled hair, orange sellers, um, secret secret deals with the French, closet Catholicism, um, trees. exclusion crises, yeah, it's got to uh, be Charles. Fires, it's Charles the Second. If you like stern, rigorous law and order leadership, as I do, uh, if you have read the excellent article in the Daily Mail ten years ago that proclaimed Oliver Cromwell the Was greatest man that ever historian? lived. It was. It was. They illustrated it with a picture of Richard Harris um, <laughs> waving a sword against uh, a backdrop of kind of burning Irish huts or something, which okay. I heartily approved of. Went down very well with my wife. Um, I, I, I mean, I'd love to see Oliver get through that round, but I think it's all uh, the odds are against him. To be honest with you, yeah, but that's the fascination. He could be play- that's the fascination. Then, uh, then the penultimate. One- and actually, the funny thing about that, Tom, the yeah. funny thing about that is, a lot of people said during Charles II's reign. He's not as good as Oliver. Yeah, the, the you know, Dutch people ambassador. actually would say this. They, the Dutch ambassador yeah, they said would it say to his face. He's, he's, Oliver was much, yes. And actually, secretly, he ended up pursuing a lot of the same policies that uh, Oliver Cromwell. So maybe the, Dutch, maybe the Dutch will swing in behind Charles II. I mean, they haven't got William III. Um, no. The Dutch, <laughs> no, why, the, didn't William, the, why didn't William make it? We, we didn't nominate him. None of us nominated him. No, strange. Well, anyway, I'd have thought as a Dutchman yourself... At least nominally, you might have uh, gone for him, but evidently not. No, but I'm, I'm going for Cromwell. Uh, and then okay. Victoria against Athelstan. Well, that's a clash of styles. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> isn't it? I mean, obviously, I want Athelstan to win. 
I think he probably will win. I don't know. I mean, Victoria, Victoria's got a lot of brand recognition. She has, but as what though? As a sort of widow, as a grumpy. Well, no, because she's been know, reinvented, hasn't she? As a kind of sassy, sexy. Has she? kind of babe oh by jenna coleman yes you're yeah, right she's jenna coleman. i see i think the one thing that she's got that nobody else in this competition so far has got is that she was also empress of india yeah and 20 years ago that might have been enough to see her through but now people might hold that against her they might do so i i, I mean i'm guessing that satnam sangera will be rooting for athelstan in this one Perhaps. yeah yeah i think the woke elements of twitter again will be very much team athelstan on this I, i'd like to think so I'd like to think so. I'm certainly rooting for Athelstan. Um, and then the last one is <laughs> Henry VIII against George V. Probably our most interesting king against, but by far our most boring. Why? I mean, no, why, no, George, I, the I, fifth. I, George the Fifth. I mean, honestly, you and Tracy both I, very keen on George the Fifth. George the Fifth is a tremendous fellow. I like George the Fifth a lot. Oh, um, he might be a tremendous fellow, but he's incredible. He I think dull. he had a tattoo. He uh, there's that famous um, footnote. <laughs> Um, H.A.P. Taylor's history of England between the wars, where he has just a little footnote where he, with each character, and he gives their dates and stuff, and it says George V born this, died this, creased his trousers at the sides rather than front and back. <laughs> which and I, he's a stamp collector, put, wasn't he? Is the other thing. He was a great stamp collector. I mean, one of the world's all-time great stamp collectors. Something he had in common with uh, Franklin Roosevelt. But also, he didn't he didn't chop off the heads of his wives. No, he didn't. So Henry VIII is Henry VIII is an interesting one because he's the second seed. And that really is brand recognition. Um, and he's also probably, would you say, the most consequential monarch? Yeah. He's got to be so. up there, hasn't he? I mean, he's, I'd say he's, he's the most famous as well. The most famous, the most, the most consequential, consequential. And the most famous. So the first, I think the first British film ever to win the Best Picture Oscar was The Private Life of Henry VIII with Charles Lawton, I think. Or, or Lawton himself won the Oscar. This is the kind of quality that you'll be getting at the Odeon Leicester Square. Yeah. On and I think uh, Henry VIII in America and around the world, I mean, people who don't know the other Henrys have this image of this enormous man eating chicken legs and marrying yeah. and beheading wives and yeah. breaking with Rome for purely self-interested reasons. So maybe may, may, maybe the Americans will get behind him. Well, I'd, I'd, I like George V, but there's part of me that quite But likes the Americans him. are never going to get behind George V. No, 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 no. I don't. I think you're probably right. Certainly Unless they get... muddle him with perhaps with George VI, as in the King's Speech. <laughs> yes, that, that, that's so that's that, not really grounds for. So if I was if I was if I was George V's coach, that's a strategy that I would recommend. <laughs> so so if you were the Sam Musabini of, of uh, yeah. the Chariots of Fire, <laughs> a professional coach, people would sneer at you. So Tom, if you were to just looking at this now, who do you think the final four will be? Um, I, well, I, uh, I think Elizabeth the first, Henry the fifth, Henry the eighth, and I'm hoping Athelstan. I think Charles the second will go far. I think, um, I think he'll be knocked out by Cromwell. Do you know? I don't, I think he'll win. I think, well, I don't think, I don't think he'll win the competition, but I think he'll beat Cromwell. I think the Merry Monarch thing, people like a kind of dissipated, yeah, maybe, um, yeah, I think I think it's interesting, isn't it, how certain monarchs just become absolutely enshrined in the national imagination. And, and the ones you've named, Elizabeth I, Henry VIII, Henry V, I don't think Athelstan, frankly. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> well, Richard I, I mean, Richard I is only famous because of the Crusades and, and being Robin captured. Hood. And Robin Hood, yeah. I'd say he's but, most famous for Robin Hood. We haven't mentioned Canute and the Waves, whether that were the, the nautical 
um, community yes. will get behind it. Yeah, yachtsmen. Like <laughs> yeah. The yachting community. Yachtsmen and Danes. Rally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. and you'll find the winner. What's your prediction for the winner? I, I think Elizabeth I. Do you? She's I think the top seed, so boring, I think, for a though, wouldn't it? It'd be boring if she won. Tracy Borman wants her to win, I know. Um, I'd like to see, I mean, deep down, I'd like to see Oliver Cromwell win, just to annoy Cable Loft. So who do okay so you you you'd agree with me that Elizabeth the 1st Henry the 8th um and uh, Henry the 5th Henry the 5th will be will be in will be in the quarterfinal uh, will be in the semifinals who you, you don't think Athelstan will who do you think will will be Charles there? II Charles II okay yeah but I agree with you one thing I do agree with you about is I don't think Henry the 5th deserves will deserve a semifinal place if he gets it I mean I'll always back him a little bit because of the anti-French thing mm-hmm. but <laughs> <laughs> um, but he didn't he didn't rule very long and he left the country in a mess he died too young dying there's got to be a, a penalty for dying too early so. yes, leaving so. um i mean even henry the eighth managed to provide three heirs yeah. i mean despite all the hullabaloo about the son he at least managed to provide three heirs whereas henry the fifth left only a baby and the result was the, and was the useless roses. baby wasn't it yeah useless <laughs> yeah exactly yeah you can leave a baby use it leave a good one right well i hope that that's um whetted your appetites for this I mean, it's going to be an absolute festival of sport, isn't it? It is. Monarchical um, sport at its best. Well, we've had some great clashes. I mean, the two that, that, that stick in my mind, the two ties that I'd like to see, the classics, I think, in most fans' eyes, but Disraeli versus Gladstone. That was brilliant, wasn't it? I remember sitting as, as midnight approached, kind yeah, of refreshing, refreshing the <laughs> yeah. phone. Yeah, that one. And then something that still, I'll be honest, I'm still a little bit cross about, <laughs> which was... ISIS against Anubis. And I think we can all agree that you went against the spirit of the competition, whipping up support for ISIS against uh, Anubis, who you mocked unfairly as a dog. He was a dog. Well, I mean, he's dog-headed. He's a jackal-headed god, isn't he? I mean, that's not a dog. Anyway. Well, that's his whole thing, isn't it? I mean, that was, that was the whole point. So who knows what will happen this time? I mean, if it's Athelstan versus Cromwell, that could get a bit... That could get a bit kind of Lennon-McCartney circa 1969. <sighs> Oh, I just, I'm so nervous for Athelstan. I'm so nervous for Athelstan. I'm so nervous for him that I almost, I almost didn't want him to be in, so I wouldn't. Well, that's why you didn't want Henry. Uh, you, I hope I'm not giving too much away when I tell the listeners that one reason you disbarred Alfred the Great was because you didn't want to see him lose. That's, that's the truth, true. isn't it? Yes, that is true. <laughs> I would cry. I a would terrible cry. reason. If, if Alfred entered this and he didn't win, I would cry. All these endless texts you were sending me. Oh, no, the rubric, the penguin monarchs, <laughs> <laughs> all this sort of stuff. But, no, but that's true. That's true. But but there is also the emotional. I, I would, yeah. I, do you know, I, I would probably give up the podcast in despair of Britain. Wow. Would you? Yes, I would. That's very strong. Well, as you know, I, I, I just, felt like I that just about... Uh, I, I just wouldn't... What about Anubis? No, I felt like that about whether Alexander the Great would rise to the top of the uh, iTunes history <laughs> episodes chart. I just felt if he it didn't did. make number one, it would be an insult to Alexander, <laughs> to the podcast. Yes. And he did eventually. So I was delighted. Yes. Right. Well, so I'm going to be very, very nervous on Athelstan's behalf. Um, but at least I don't have to face the prospect of Alfred being knocked out in the in the Super 16s round. So massive excitement. Um, I'm sure you will all have your favourites. Make sure that you vote. Um, there'll be regular updates over the course of the tournament. 
Uh, we've got Tracy Borman, as we said, uh, providing her a brilliant analysis. If you want to um, go through and see what she has to say about each of the contenders, uh, there's a thread that I've posted on it in, in Twitter. I think the hashtag is Kings and Queens World Cup, Kings and Queens World Cup. And her book, Crown and Scepter, A New History of the British Monarchy from William the Conqueror to Elizabeth II. Uh, we will also have in-depth analysis from top sports journalist Jonathan Wilson, who will be doing the, who's done the draw for us and all kinds of things like that. Um, so, uh, enjoy the, uh, World Cup of Kings and Queens. Um, and we will rejoin Dominic. To when we know the results uh, and go over the matches and go into more detail about each of these 16 contenders. May the best king or queen win. Or Lord Protector. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to The Rest is History. For bonus episodes, early access, ad-free listening and access to our chat community, please sign up at restishistorypod.com. That's restishistorypod.com. Hi, Rest is History fans. If you want more Tom Holland in your life, and frankly, why wouldn't you? I have some good news for you. I'm Emily Dean, and I'm thrilled to say that this week, Tom is a guest on my podcast, Walking the Dog, where you get to hear well-known faces at their most relaxed, because I talk to them over a leisurely outdoor stroll with my dog, Raymond. And you can join us this week for a very special two-part in-depth chat with Tom Holland. And yes, I'm afraid I did ask him this question. Tom, how often do you think about the Roman Empire? I think about it a huge amount. In fact, there are days where I barely stop thinking about it. My brain is occupied by the Romans. It's like Gaul. If you want to hear more of my chat with Tom, give Walking the Dog a listen this week. And while you're there, you can take your pick from episodes starring the likes of Ricky Gervais, Jack Whitehall and Jimmy Carr. What's that, Raymond? Yes, The Rest is History did do an episode all about the greatest dogs in history. No, you weren't in it. Most spoilt dog in history, maybe.